It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I am Pastor Jack King. I am your host and... Well, I'm excited. I always am on Sunday mornings to spend this time with you here on Wave 94. That's 94.1 on your radio dial. Show number 1047 today. Now, all of those have not been here on 94.1, but I've been at this for a while. And it's always fun to have people come into the studio and share heart and passion, which reminds me to tell you that if you are involved in Christian ministry, you need to call me and let me get you here on the show and we'll talk about your passion for the things of God. Area code 850-567-1703. We have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And that has worked out real well over the years. And I have a gentleman in the studio uh, this morning that I'm excited about and we've been talking about doing this show I'm thinking about five years or so he is an author he's written an awesome book (laughs) and it's the name of the book is called Steel Wiser and the gentleman I'm about to introduce you to is named Davis Prime brother Prime it's good to have you on the show thank you now you're you're not just an author you do other things too absolutely and and you are here you live here in the tallahassee area yep and uh and the book now uh, how long has it been out i mean you took a while to write it how long has it actually been to where people could read it Uh, it's been out at least six seven years six seven years since about 2015 something like that. okay and how long did it take you to write it It took me about 10 years 10 years so we're talking (laughs) about 15 years ago Yes. You came up with this idea for a book. Absolutely. And now, what we want to do is we want to lay it out a little bit. Just kind of kind of whet the people's appetites for the book. So give us, first of all, the time format that the book exists. I would say the time format is near future is what I usually call it. I, I think the dates I had in mind were somewhere between... 2040 and 2050, something like that. Wow. Uh, sometime within the next few decades. Okay. So you're in your mind, as you saw this, you saw the future, and you saw the future, what it would be like for Christians. Yes. And uh, what, made you, what made your mind go there? Well, I think – Fiction writers, for one thing, are just uh, what if kind of people. Uh-huh. You know, we what if and and if, and uh, so you think, well, what if um, there was a one world government, but it was a democracy and not a dictatorship? And what if to get that democracy, you had to make a right of privacy to guarantee that people uh, would be comfortable enough to go for a democracy? So I tried to look forward. What if that happened? And then you. As an author, you try to follow that trail uh, where it goes. You try to say, well, if this happens, then does that happen? And, you know, and you just sort of follow it down the line to try to find the conclusion. But now, as a time that you are writing the book, technically at that point, you're not an author yet. 
because you, no. you've never written a book before. You're a would-be author. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But now you just told me right before we went on the air that you do have a degree in journalism. Yes, I do. So you've had some training. I've had Which some is training. more than I had <laughs> when I wrote my book. <laughs> so and, and so you, you've had some training to know the, the ins and outs and that type of thing in order to lay a book out and write it such as you have. Now, did you do an outline before you wrote the book? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a very outline kind of oriented guy. I wanted to... I wanted okay. to know, have some idea where I was going before. Now, now, we made it a point in our discussions before we started the show here to make sure we're not going to tell you the end. Okay, that's very important. Yes. <laughs> but when you did your outline, did you know the end? I had a general idea of the end, yeah. Okay, all right. So now, let, let's go back. So basically, you have written a book. It's called Still Wiser. Mm-hmm. by Davis Prime. Yes. Okay. And it is a book that is set in the future. Yes. Okay. And it centers around Christian people. A Christian family. A Christian family living in a time that if you think about it, you can almost imagine it by just looking at the history of today. And the direction that I see, and I think probably you do too, yeah. that we're going. Mm-hmm. So you just took that to its, what you saw. Was an inevitable conclusion. There you go. There you go. So the main character in the book is a guy by the name of Gordon Weiser. Yes. Tell us about Gordon Weiser. Gordon is your your average Joe. He works a small college in the Mount, Appalachian Mountains. He... Uh, Loves his family and he loves God and he is just trying to, he loves where he lives and he just wants that peaceful life. He wants, right. he's praying for his leaders because he wants to live that quiet life that, you know, uh, but things are putting pressure on him right. know, to, uh, to change. Um, and, and he is, I picked this up and I, and I don't know you well enough to, to give you this label, but I think you are. Gordon Weiser was a dreamer. Yes. And, and I'm a dreamer. <laughs> I think you probably are a dreamer, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, in, in the book that I wrote, that was the first, my first statement. I said, I confess. <laughs> I'm a dreamer. So Gordon Weiser was the type of man, as, as he describes his job there working for the small college, mm-hmm. there would often be times when he would just get lost in his own mind. Oh, yeah. He would just... He would just be dreaming. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, his lovely wife, and her name is Rachel. Yes. She knew this about him. Oh, yeah. And she accepted him. Now, in real life, who's Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> I would say my wife is, is my Rachel. I knew it. <laughs> I said to myself, I don't know your wife that well, but we've met and we, we know each other from, we see each other gospel sings and things of that nature. But I just had a feeling. <laughs> well, you write what you know. And there you go. There you go. The only wife I've had. Right. So. <laughs> right. But the thing about it is that Rachel in the book, she was the one really that kept everything moving. Yes. Because she was not a dreamer. She was a realist. I mean, in, in, in every sense of the of the way, she saw life as it was. Yes. And she could pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. Gordon wasn't that way at all. No. No, no. he wasn't. No. He, he, his, his world could very easily be devastated. 
Yes, because he had this desire, as you said, just I just want to live my life. I want to love my family. I want to go about things. And so now I'm, I'm telling the book, yeah, I need, you need to be doing it. <laughs> but, but he would just stick his head in the sand. Yeah. About, about what was going on in life. Yeah. So, so what, what was it that was happening in Gordon's world that was about to change his whole life? Well, the, the uh, world had united, and it, it wasn't um, as we always pictured it when I was growing up as a, you know, a world dictatorship, that someone was going to take over the entire world and dictate. We actually uh, was sold the idea that there could be a world democracy. And part of getting that democracy, though, was they had to guarantee people uh, they sold it that they guaranteed them the right of privacy. You have the right to keep your own personal beliefs and not have any people, anybody interfere with your beliefs. Um, so you had a right to privacy. And uh, so, but that, that what seemed to be starting out as a good thing, and a lot of things do start out innocently enough, uh, had gotten to the point where the right of privacy was starting to say something like, yeah, well, that means you shouldn't be evangelistic. You shouldn't be evangelizing anybody. You shouldn't be sharing the gospel because you are invading their privacy. Right, right. Thus, thus we have the W. What is that? The WDUP. Yes, the World Department of Unity and Privacy. <laughs> and everything in this book centers around that. Absolutely. Because uh, if you're in violation of the, of the laws of privacy yes you the, were endangering unity right which was endangering world peace right so and the government's going to come get you absolutely yeah and so here here poor little gordon he's he's uh like see, he just he just wants to just ignore the whole thing. This is really not happening. <laughs> in, in, yes. in his mind and his heart, it's just it's just not happening. And, and so, it came down to the question of where to worship, yes. where to go to church, and the government had an answer to that, right? Yeah, they had sponsored like China is today. Uh, they had sponsored churches, but they were all closely watched, and you you. They were not even necessarily public. They were right. sort of maybe in a COVID-related Zoom kind of situation <laughs> where they didn't really want you meeting in large public gatherings or anything. They just wanted you to keep your religion personal right. and to yourself and, you know, not try to reach out to anybody and else. And they were called spiritual centers. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, did when you when the whole COVID, you mentioned the COVID thing here, when this whole thing hit did you think wow <laughs> i mean you you'd written about this uh, pretty much i mean i mean it was it wasn't COVID that you were writing about but what you were describing was to me was very similar to what yeah, we were I mean, experiencing just, i wasn't predicting a uh, a pandemic uh, but it was it was brought about by different circumstances but it was basically the same sort of thing being uh, brought about i mean if you look at California, California was trying to say, use COVID to say, well, you shouldn't be meeting publicly. Right, you, shouldn't right. be, you shouldn't be meeting at all. Uh, so, you know, you can see it's, uh, situations such as COVID can be used. Yeah. But you uh, had to just been scratching your head going, how do I know this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it really is uncanny what, yeah. what, what you wrote before all this ha ever happened. 
true, true. And, you know, and you just you just chalk it up to God. You know, uh, it, it really isn't. You're writing about something yeah. you don't even totally understand. Right. You know, and, and I'm I'm reading it about the time that the COVID thing is hitting for the second time. Okay. And so I'm starting to. I'm really relating this. As I'm reading your book, I'm going, wow, this guy's a genius. <laughs> and I kept telling you, every time I'd see you someplace, I'd say, man, you've got a strange mind. <laughs> so so you, my wife tells me that, too. <laughs> so you, uh, as you did your outline, yes, this whole thing was, was playing out in your mind as, as you went along. Yes, it was. And, and you're, you're seeing society as it's laying out. And then you're you're putting together this outline, and then you're you're coming along and putting flesh to the basic outline that you did. I mean, I'm a big believer in in the local community church, so uh-huh. it, it's sort of like uh, the whole story is sort of pushing back towards community. Uh-huh. In other words, Gordon is first sort of pushed into just worshiping with his family, right. and then he becomes involved with a more underground church and eventually they make a decision that's going to move them into real community with real people that's a pretty drastic decision towards the end uh but you know it's all (laughs) how you know you the the push the the need to be in community with other christians let's introduce some some new characters here that'll help us lay the story out okay tell them who john mcneil is John McNeil is a spacer, and um, oh, you got to tell him about this. This is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I mean, this was before SpaceX or any of the private companies started launching any rockets. But I figured at some point, with all the junk that's floating around, orbiting around Earth, that someone would come up with the idea that uh, we will just call all of that salvage, salvageable materials. And that someone would come up with a marketing idea that we'll just market all this space junk as collectibles. We'll bring it down and we'll just sell it to people as you can have a piece of outer space history. You can have a piece of this satellite that's been orbiting uh, Earth for the last 50 to 100 years. And people would pay high prices to get that. So he, spacers were sort of born because they would go out and collect this material, sort of like a, a gold rush person would go out and pan the river, and uh, they would earn a lot of money. They were sort of notorious for going out into these this the new wilderness of space and collecting all this stuff and getting a lot of money. And they were pushing back the boundaries. They were going right. right. They were going to, you know, the moon and different places to collect this kind of stuff, old satellites and probes and different things, and even just a piece of a rock from um, Mars or the moon, you know, could cause a pretty big price. So you just think how hard it would be to go out and buy a piece of the moon right now. But uh, right. So in your world, space travel had, had so advanced. I mean, John McNeil's ship was something else, and it, it wasn't small. No, it wasn't small. He had to have, you know, be, be more like a small freighter or something. Right, he had right. to be able to store a number of, you know, he wanted to store a number of, if he was going to make that kind of journey, he wanted to be right. able to store enough material to make it profitable. So, so yeah. he would be up there, I mean, for what, three months or more? Yeah, more. Yeah, right, yeah close to a year, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so these, these spacers, they became like legends of the time. They, they were they were the heroes of the day. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they if, were the star. If, yeah, if you, if you were a spacer, you were you were a, 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 a kind of a, a 
symbol of the, the times and such. But John McNeil was a loner. He, yes, he, was. He, he, he lacked being up there in space. Yes, he did. And, 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 all this. and he wasn't alone, was he? No. Tell us about his companion. Uh, he had a, uh, a boxer, a dog, uh, his spacer dog that uh, traveled with him. And uh, he claims was the first dog on the moon and Mars. And uh, <laughs> uh, he yeah. was his constant companion. Yeah, I, I told Brother Prime, I said, I, I, want, a, I want a dog like uh, Armstrong. His name yes, was Armstrong. Armstrong, yeah. I want a dog like Armstrong, black and white, big dog. Big dog, big yes. dog, mm-hmm. and and uh, but he was so well trained that and he was instinctive. In other words, he could he could read John McNeil's mind, and 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 uh, <laughs> I just I just love this fast of, the, of this dog that you created. This well, we spacer spent that dog. many months together, yeah, and by yourselves with you and just him. Uh, then you get to know each other pretty well. <laughs> and, and so as the book unfolds, Armstrong plays a very important role mm-hmm. in, in everything that takes place because John McNeil, he, all he wanted was to go back up there. But yes. he worked for a company. Yes. And they had other plans for him at this time. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about that company. Well, the um, well, the company was called Malacandra, okay. and uh, they were into the space merchandising business. But they were they were back. They were a Christmas Christian business, and if you know anything about the name Malacandra, that is actually a name for a planet in a book by C.S. Lewis called Out of the Silent Planet. And the Malacandra was actually what we call our Mars. And so it was a, a name that company chose because they knew that perhaps those who were Christian, who were familiar with the writings of Lewis, may get the connection, but that maybe others wouldn't. Okay. And uh, they had a they had an underground they had formed an underground ministry, so they knew that the government was coming after folks who uh, were meeting in public as Christians in churches. So um, they would a lot of times uh, get ahead of them, and they would put these people on a underground railroad, at least the leaders of these groups, and get them so they wouldn't, so they and their families wouldn't be arrested and wouldn't right. be separated, and uh, all the the nasty things that could happen to them because of they were just doing what they believed. But right, uh, and so the, so the. Uh, uh, Malacandra, did I say it right? Malacandra. Malacandra. Yes. They were a group of, of men who had, who had established this company mm-hmm. and, and were making the, the big bucks because of the, the spacers. I guess John McNeil wasn't their only one that they were sending no. up to, mm-hmm. to, to get, get things. But at the same time, they were using those funds to establish this underground church because of the situation that the government was creating under the terms of privacy and unity. And they had come to the place to where they were controlling people. And yes. so, so to have a quote church service was a violation. It was. Yeah. Which brings us to Jake. Tell us about Jake. Jake was uh, Gordon's father. And, um, he had already 
sort of taking care of his own needs. He was had friends in a, a nearby city, and he was doing a, um, a weekly uh, Bible study with them. And uh, he was traveling down there, and he was not totally being upright with his his family uh, about what he was doing on those days, right. other than just a uh, sightseeing little fun trip down to this other city. And, and Jake lived with his son. He did live he with had his, had son. his own, own little apartment yep, up there. Sort of. Okay. Yep. All mm-hmm. right. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, but it would be Jake's involvement in this group that would lead Gordon to um, to Malacandra and eventually that church and eventually to the underground ministry and on into, you know, what God wanted him to do. Because uh, Jake would, uh, his the group he was in would be raided and, uh, and that would eventually, uh, and actually Jake dies in that raid. And uh, I don't think I'm releasing too much information well, I mean, there. But, yeah, yeah, and if you're like I am, uh, like I said, I read the book twice, and uh, I was telling Brother brother Prime, the first time that I read it, because he had given me a copy of the book, and it, and it sat here in the studio for a long, long time, and I would just read snippets of it. And I had a totally different perspective of how this book was going to go. <laughs> and and I, I thought it was just going to be a book about outer space. And I've never really, there's never been something that's really captivated my interest much. And so so I was just kind of reading it and it really wasn't getting into it. And then I, I finally came to the conclusion, I said, I really want to interview Brother Prime about the, about this book. So I'm going to have to finish reading it. So I took it home with me. And once I got it home, I started reading it in earnest. And then all of a sudden, it's like I took a totally 90 degree turn <laughs> and we're going in a totally different direction here and i really got caught up in it after after that but uh the thing about about uh, jake jake was in a lot of ways different than his dad because jake was the kind of a strong-willed type of person but do my own thing you're not gonna tell me what to do that type of thing well i would say jake is more like rachel ah i yeah. mean i see i think a lot of times you you marry the person that's like you know the person that in, in your own parents that was okay. sort of the opposite. Okay, that makes of you. sense. Yeah, I mean, I was like my mother as I grew up, and I married someone who was more like my father. So <laughs> okay. I often tell her, I you know I can see my father in you when you do this. Or, right, you know, right, that, right, or that. and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. You know. Okay, so 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 Jake. Uh, was was going in and he was visiting this uh, Bible study, which was illegal. Yes. And, and if he gets caught, he's going to be in trouble. And he knows that. And and Gordon finds out about it. Yes, he does. Right. And what happened? Well, he he decides he and uh, John McNeil decide they need to go down there. But and, but even before that, though, what happened? You talk about talk about the big fight. Oh yes, he he goes in basically to tell his father that uh, you you got to stop this. You know, you this is. You just can't do this. You're right. you're putting us all in harm's way, possibly by going to this meeting. You know, right? So they have a big fight about right. it, and Jake just basically storms off. Right. And when he leaves that morning to go to his Bible study in a different town, he's angry. He is angry. And, and, and uh, uh, of course, Gordon, he's kind of left. His dad stormed stormed off. Yes. And he's just sitting there doing what Gordon does. He's just. Reflecting on it, then Rachel comes in, <laughs> and she straightens him out, which she yeah. she, she often did. <laughs> yes, she does. So, John McNeil and Gordon Weiser knew each other, 
they're, yes. they're kind of reacquainting themselves at this juncture, but they they what they went to school together. Yes. Okay. And so they they're friends, and somehow or another John McNeil found out about Jake's activities. Yes, but since Malachandra sort of kept up a running, um, they provided help to these groups. They didn't. When they learned of a Bible study such as this, they didn't tell them to stop or anything. They actually pro- tried to provide materials and, and help and advice, right. you know, counseling on how to avoid having a, a group of government people come and arrest you all. You need to do so and so and so and so. You know, it's sort of like um, how we advise missionaries now, you know, say, okay, you need to do so and so and so and so so that you don't get in trouble with the government that, you know, whatever government that you're right, under. Right. So it was sort of that sort of thing. They provided this kind of help. So they had gotten some sort of wind that there was maybe trouble heading toward this group. And they had, um, they had known that Jacob was in the group and they had sort of warned John that, um, someone in your community may be involved in this group and, uh, you, you know, you need to sort of keep an eye on that. Because there could be trouble, and uh, so he he comes to to uh, Gordon and pretty much says we found this, and and Gordon says, well, he's on his way right down there now. Yeah, right, right. I mean, John tells him you should tell your father for these reasons that you should should cool it. You know, you should lie low for a while. You know, right. we're not saying it's wrong to go to this study, but you should lie low. And Gordon says that would be nice, but he's on his way down there right now. So they decide to follow him down right. and try to, you know, to intervene there. And so Gordon, or John says he's going. And then Gordon says, well, I'm going with you. Yeah. Okay. With my father. Yeah. So, and, and this really does set up, uh, the whole mood for the book what what happens there in is in charlotte was it right what yes, charlotte, charlotte. charlotte. Mm-hmm. because john and gordon go to this meeting but they were supposed to have been in the back of this gas station the 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 guy who, who he owned a gas station he was having this illegal meeting uh-huh. christian bible study yeah you get that illegal Christian Bible, Bible study. study. Yes, <laughs> in the back of his gas station, but he'd been warned, and so they had moved it to this man's house. Yes, right. And so John and and Gordon get there. They go to the gas station. Nobody's there, and so and I don't remember the reason why they decide to go to this man's house. Uh, there was a there was a a, a plant. Remember the? Of course, you remember. You wrote the book. <laughs> the guy that worked for the guy who owned a gas station. He's the one that totally read the house, wasn't he? Huh? Yeah he he had he had already been talking to the government about. Yes, it's probably yeah. how they found out about the right. Study right. He was a plant. With. Yeah, he was a plant. And uh, when the plan was changed at the last minute to move to the house, he was the one that told the government that you're going to the wrong place. You need to go to the house. And uh, John found out through his connections, and he, they decided to go to the house. And then pretty much both sides arrive about the same time. So, right, right. Uh, and then, but they, they park away from the house. They walk down to the house. Yes. And about that time, um, I guess the raid takes place. Yes. And everybody that's in the house, they ran to the garage, and they open the garage door, and they, they escape. They got yeah, away. They're running, yeah. But John McNeil and Gordon Weiser are now in the house. Yes. 
Okay. You take it from there. Well, their, their first thought, of course, is Jacob Weiser and Jake. And um, Jake, being the person he is, uh, he doesn't run out the garage door like the rest right, of them. Right, right. Uh, you know, there's a wrong being done here, and uh, he's going to confront him. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're trying to get him to get him to leave, uh, he decides he's going to confront the leader of this group. And he strides right for him. And the leader, uh, who's been under pressure of his own to, to be successful in these raids. Because um, a lot of the raids that they had done had not netted. They, they, they didn't find the people. Because yeah, there was the Underground Railroad. They were being successful right. in moving some of these people on. And, so. and, and Malachandra was tipping them off. Yes, because they they had they had all kinds of computer computer connection into the government's yes. uh, computer stuff. <laughs> this is cool now, <laughs> <laughs> and so they knew they knew about these raids that were coming. Yeah, and so they would tip the the the, uh, the groups off, and so when they showed up, there was nobody there. Yes, and so this is why the guy was so frustrated. Yeah, they'd had a lot of failed raids right. recently. So he, he did, I mean, it was, Jacob was not a young man. He was an older man and, uh, he could have easily restrained him. Uh, he was only going over. He was not armed and he was uh, just, he was going to confront him, but right. he wasn't, he wasn't attacking. Right. But still the leader pulls his weapon and, uh, right with John and Gordon there, he shoots him. So, um, but, you know, it's uh, and kills him and kills him and kills him. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's at uh, the Jake's funeral that um, Malachandra contacts him with the kind of love and support that, you know, that churches often provide during these times. And it's even followed up with an invitation to join their church. So and that's how uh, Gordon and his family uh, are drawn into the church and they're soon drawn into the ministry too right so. but now back at the house when the shooting took place yes and of course gordon i mean he's devastated this is his father and, yes, he, absolutely. And, he, and he's literally holding his father as he's he's dying john mcneil steps in yes and what does he do uh he basically physically grabs jake i mean grabs gordon and pulls him away from that scene uh he tries to bring it. He brings him back to reality that it's you're you can't help your father here anymore. That you need to you need to go ahead and get away from right. this. You need to be you need to get yourself safe so your family's safe. You know, and right. uh, he's, he, he's taking Rachel's place here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he's taking the. This is the role that Rachel would normally have played. played yes. John McNeil it took him up into an attic. And yes. they were up there in the heat for long Hours, time. Yeah, yeah long mm-hmm. time. And and all the time that this is taking place, Armstrong is out there being vigilant. Absolutely. <laughs> he's Armstrong, he's he, not he just, far. Yeah, he's just uncanny. He's just he just has this uh canine instincts. And well, so even when the raid is about to take place, I don't remember, but Armstrong gets this uh, sort of a guttural growl. Yes, yes. I, he he <laughs> senses that this is coming. It's right. only moments afterwards that he does this growl um, that um, that they they come breaking into the house. 
So, I mean, and that growl is repeated later on in the book at a point and where it's automatically recognized that there's a problem here. Right, right. This yeah. is the same growl that we had back at the, uh, <laughs> at the Bible meeting. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to Armstrong. This, yeah. <laughs> because he, he, has, he has instincts that are not like human. Yes, and he and he many many times he comes to the rescue during those clutch situations like that, but when they finally feel like it's safe to come out of the attic and then they eventually go home, and then they get the the word from the government and the government t- tells them, well, your father died in an automobile accident. Yes. And Gordon can't say, oh, no, 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 that's not right, because he knows he cannot reveal that he was there. There, I saw it, yeah. In that that room. And and so this begins to be a part of the whole deception that they're having, the, the new life they're having to take on very reluctantly, because all of a sudden, even though Gordon has tried his best to say this isn't happening, he sees it now. Yes, to, to some degree, he's still not totally convinced. <laughs> well, you, you, there's always a, a hope in your mind that you right. know, things will work themselves out. Right. You know that the the process, democracy, and uh, yeah. sensible thinking will somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking here, Brother Prime. Um, Somebody just tuning into the show, and they go, "What in the world are these people talking, talking about?" about? <laughs> we go, "We're all excited about talking about a book. It's a book, and it's called Steel Wiser." Uh, Brother uh, Davis Prime is the author of the book. He's a local man here in Tallahassee. Um, this is his first book that he's written, and and uh, so I wanted to get him on the show to tell you all about the book, and I'm hoping that you will you will purchase a copy of this book. Now we're trying not to tell you everything that happened in it, but. But you're getting the gist of it. Now, Brother Prime, do you have more copies available if anybody want, want to purchase one? Uh, yeah, they're they're available through Amazon. All you have to do is go to Amazon. Uh, you need to search for both the title of the book and my part of at least part of my name. If you okay. just still if you type in Still Wiser, you're gonna get pages and pages of all sorts of stuff. But if you type in Still Wiser and either Davis Prime or Davis Prime, uh, you're going to get my book immediately. Okay. So now, are you? The, I'm sure they keep you up. Are, are we selling copies of? Or are, is it out there where people are? It's out yeah. there. Um, I haven't sold one in a while, but okay. uh, I have done a lot of promotion of it. Right, and that's what there. happens. And I'm familiar with that. They just kind of get lost after a while. Yeah, if, if you're not. Uh, Pushing, pushing it, whatever. it out there. Now, yeah. do you have uh, copies in hand that you could sell to somebody? If somebody, yeah, I do. Okay. I do have some copies. And how much are they? Um, they're um, twelve ninety nine. Well, that's cheap. Yeah, I mean, yeah, compared to the <laughs> that's average, a big book now. It is a big book. <laughs> okay, uh, still wiser by uh, Gordon Prime. The, the, I'm telling you, it's money well spent. If you, if you like a good read, and I'm talking about you, talk about something that gets you thinking. I mean, about what's happening around us and the possibilities that the things that he's laid out in this book, this, this is very possible that life could be very similar. And I, and I thought this, Brother Prime, I, I used to preach this to my church back in the 80s. And I'd say, if, if things don't change and we keep going the way we're going as a, as a nation, as a people, we're going to have to become communal. So I used to say to the church all the time, we're going we're to end up having to live in Christian communes and totally separate ourselves from the world. 
I would say this back in the 80s here, yeah. just preaching to my congregation. And when you read your book, you say, yeah, well, that's pretty much the way it is. Because if you don't, according to his book, if you don't become a part of the system and you uh, go to the spiritual centers, if, yeah. if, if you want to have a church experience, go to the spiritual center. Because when you go to the spiritual center, they're not going to be talking about Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're going to be talking no. about something totally different. Absolutely. And you will either have to be integrated into that concept and, and live your life according to that, or you're going to be in outs with the government. Yes. And you'll end up like Jacob <laughs> Weiser. Weiser, yes. Yeah. Uh, Gordon. Okay. Now, I think we've done a pretty good job okay. of getting them set up. We'll take a little break, play a little gospel music. All righty. And then we'll come back and we'll start talking about Philip Glass. Oh, okay. And and, and uh, how he fits into this thing, okay? And I ask uh, Brother Prime, I said, now, you, you, do, you do not mention the rapture of the church in your book. It's, no, it's I do not, not there. Mm-mm. But uh, as I've always thought, I said, well, you, you, you read the revelation, you read about the tribulation period. It kind of sounds kind of similar. But he told me, he, he said, you're not pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that sort of thing. You, and so, so this could be your book could have been before or after yes. the rapture. Mm-hmm. But we're going to play a song. It's uh, by the uh, Tribute Quartet. It's just simply called a beating in the middle of the air. Just enjoy the song. Whether I'm alive and breathing or if there's a great belief in there will never be a meeting like a meeting in the middle of the air. Middle of the air. Now, brother. Brother David's prime, would, would I have been arrested for playing that song in, in, in your book? <laughs> yes, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I'm your regular host. I get to do this every Sunday morning, but I'm having a good time here today telling you about this book. I have uh, David Prime in the studio with me. He is the author of the book called Steel Wiser. It's a book that's actually set you said around 2040, somewhere in yeah, that. And, that and, and uh, uh, this is a time when the, the church is under oppression. We're talking about the, the Christian faith. Yes. If you are a Christian and, and you're out there as a Christian, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Yes. So uh, let me just tell you this. I, I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry. We're located at 720 Capital Circle Northeast. Our service is 11.05 on Sunday mornings, and you can check us out on the web, frcm.us. We'd love to have you come and worship with us. I also want to remind you of the Saturday Night Gospel Sing. It's a full hour of, I'd say, the best music in the land. And uh, Southern Gospel Style, 7 o'clock, 94.1, Saturday nights, and also the daily broadcast, Monday through Friday, the Gospel on the Radio broadcast. And also... You can find this interview on the podcast. It's 1047. So if you want to listen to it again or share it with somebody, just type in Pastor Jack King, Tallahassee, and it'll be on the podcast, and you can you can listen to it again. Philip Glass. Who is yes. Philip Glass? Philip Glass is works for the WDUP. Uh, Which is? is? The World Department of Unity and Privacy. Right. So he is... Um, Sort of on the technical side, he's, he starts off as a guy who's uh, looking into 
computer intrusions or uh, and how Christians might use computer intrusions or how people might disturb privacy. I'm probably not just Christian, but always of doing that. And he eventually gets on the trail of Malachandra and uh, on the trail of, uh, of uh, Gordon Weiser. And uh, he's uh, tracking him down, so to speak. He's right. the nemesis in this story. But um, he's, also, he's also that lost person. And uh, in his contact with Gordon Weiser, he uh, slowly has a change of heart. And, uh, because he, he, what was the name of the, the character that he captured? Um, her name was Ig- Irene Wojcik. Okay. And she was a, a master. And what, uh, what was her, what they call her, the, the fixer or something? Yeah, she was a, she was a hacker. Uh, right, right. Computer hacker, famous right. computer hacker. And, and, and so he, when he captured her, that that was his that, that's what excelled him as far as that was his a crown career. crowning yeah, yeah, uh, achievement yeah, for him yeah and then he he would give it a whole lot of responsibility after that and, yeah and a whole lot of ex- expectations right and then then he like you say he got on the trail of, of Malachandra mm-hmm. and he's he hears this name Gordon Weiser yeah he eventually. Uh, eventually tracks down that uh, that Bible study that Jake was part of and eventually identifies Gordon Weiser as, as being at that meeting. So he he uh, uses Gordon Weiser as a possible way to uh, connect with Malachandra. And so and then he, he starts to have more contact with Gordon. Uh, and then then the, the big scene. Where Gordon Weiser is sitting in his study, yes. and all of a sudden his computer is completely taken over yes. by who? <laughs> by Philip Glass. Philip Glass. Yeah, he's the one thing he got when he arrested that famous hacker was he got something called what she called uh, hackware, and basically what it did was it turned when you hacked into a computer, it turned that computer into a virtual 3D world around you. So he was able to control. Uh, different things, and he controls Gordon's computer. Then, how did your mind come up with all this? <laughs> well, that's a good question. That, that's, this is what fascinates me. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the book. I know this guy, <laughs> but so it's, all of this stuff just comes out of your head. I mean, th- because this this conversation that that they have. On the computer, I mean, like I say, the, the Philip Glass has taken over Gordon Weiser's computer. Gordon he's, Weiser. He's doing it mainly because he wants time to search Gordon's computer for the information that he's interested in as far as Malachandra is concerned. Right. So he's, he's, um, well, he's arguing with Gordon. Right. He's, he's confronting Gordon about his beliefs, right. basically. But to think about it is in the beginning, Gordon is intimidated. But then he he gets bold. He does get bold. And and you, I mean, that's good preaching. <laughs> I mean, what 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 Gordon Weiser eventually said to Philip Glass. I mean, that's that's just good sound Christian doctrine. That that that, that he, I mean, it's just really really good. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, Brother Prime has read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it really was, and 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 down the road, down the road, this had very much influence in his life. He couldn't get away, no, from from what 
Gord Weiser had stood up to him. The seeds have been planted. Yes, yes, yes. Now, one thing that the I think that the audience needs to know, going back to John McNeil. Yes. John McNeil was the spacer. Yes. And then he had this big, huge ship mm-hmm. that belonged to Melchandra. Yes. And then they would send him up into space to go collect space junk, him and Armstrong. Yes. But when uh, he wanted to go back into space and his orders were being delayed. Yes. And he was upset about it. He was upset. And he confronted the leaders of Melchandra and eventually they told him, well, we have a different mission for you. Yes. And so the underground church, I, I don't know whether it was born at that point but John McNeil would use that big ship to pick up people who were uh, about to be raided mm-hmm. and, and about to be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And relocate. Right. So John McNeil would go to wherever this place was. He would be ahead of the raid. He would get this family out, mm-hmm. put them on his spaceship, and then he would take them, relocate them. Yes. But every time that he, that they that he made his journeys, was it the moon? He, they go to the moon first. Or where, where was the the? It was there was a space international space international station. space station. station. So they would always go. It's kind of like going to Atlanta nowadays. You know. Yeah, it was like yeah. an inter between airport. Kind right, of right, right. So they have to go up to the space station, and then then they would just kind of disappear. Yeah, and then he would reappear somewhere on on uh, back on Earth. Yes, and so. During one of these times, um, he's trying to get back to his house. He lived out in the forest. John McNeil did. He lived out in the forest, and his spaceship was parked somewhere out there. Yeah, they had a special spot in the forest yeah. that they kept it. Yeah. So one night, he has this family, and they're they're traveling through the woods to get to his house, right? Or was he going to the spaceship? He was going to his house. Going to his house. It was supposed to be an intermediate spot for them in right. the relocation. And he got to the place where he had his van parked, where he could get in his van, take these onto the house. And he got there, and there were voices there. There were people around. And Armstrong did the growl. He did the growl. <laughs> and so he knew he couldn't go to the van. And so he's thinking, he says, I don't think these people, these people are wore out. They're not going to be able to walk to my house as far as it is. He thought about Gordon Weiser. Yes. Which lived nearby. And up to this point, he hadn't been a part of this right. particular ministry. Right. So he reluctantly goes and knocks on Gordon Weiser's door. Yes. And Gordon Weiser said, what's this all about? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just batting him hard. And then Rachel shows up. Rachel puts him right again. Get people something to eat. <laughs> Take him up to Jake's old room. <laughs> and that's how he got... Involved. Involved. Yeah. And so from that point on, when he says, he tells John, he says, when you go, I'm going to go with you. And John said, oh, no, you don't know how dangerous this is. No. But they had to take it through the church to get it approved. Yeah. And then John and Gordon began making these. These runs. These runs. And, uh, well, (laughs) one of them, what is the, the. what was the name of the city? Uh, well, they went to Hamburg. Hamburg, yeah. right, right. I'm looking at my clock. How much time I got here, Leah? <laughs> because, because, because the raid of the house at Hamburg. Yes. 
the character that you introduced to us then was a, was a, he was a scientist or something like that a big strong man yes. self-willed a christian <laughs> right. but he was a strong-willed right scientist too and so they're they're there and the same guy who had shot Jake was leading the raid yes and and, and so it happened that as they were trying to get these people out of here, the raid was starting to take place. And uh, they said, well, there's another character we we have to introduce, and I can't remember his name. Uh, Milton. Uh, Milton, yeah. yes. Milton was like a computer guru that worked for Malacandra. Yeah. Yes. And so they made contact with him, but they ended up using Armstrong. That's where the uh, the, the dog to, to help thwart a lot of the the, the raid and, and Armstrong actually led part one of the the teams into this basement <laughs> and then he disappears <laughs> and they're locked in there yes and so they're completely out of commission they're out during, of during this raid and so they they end up getting those people out yes taking them back to uh, Gordon's house and this guy <laughs> was just a thorn in everybody's flesh I say he was a Christian <laughs> He was a Christian, but he was. Now, now, who is that guy? Is is it, is is it? No, no, we don't want to tell that, do we? I mean, is 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 this character based on somebody you kind of know? <laughs> you want you, you want to tell the true story here? I wouldn't say it was based on any one person, but uh, I've worked. I worked uh, 30 years with Florida State University, and so I've met had a few bosses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I would say he's he's a mixture of probably some of the bosses, a few of the bosses, a small minority of the bosses that okay. I had while I was there. Right. We don't we don't get you in too much trouble. No, I don't want to get too much trouble <laughs> because you're retired now, so it doesn't matter anymore, right? That's right. Okay. So Gordon Weiser, he becomes a part of the Underground Railroad. Yes, and uh, of course he's working along with John McNeil, but there's a spy. Yes, that's been planted to mm-hmm. watch and observe Gordon Weiser's house. And they they use his daughter, Paula, who begins to talk to a high school counselor because you got all these people coming and going in her house. And so yeah. she's just thinking that she's telling these things in confidence, but it's not. It's not. So it ends up that Gordon and his wife, Rachel, and his son, Peter, and his daughter, Paula, they have to flee for their their lives. They do, and yeah. that, that's very hard for Gordon because he's he's very tied to his roots and in his home, and uh, to make that decision, uh, right, it was hard for him. And uh, so they end up on the big ship. Yep. But, but well, I tell you what, I I want to leave some stuff here for people to read about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Philip Glass has a uh, fiance he does and uh, her name is jessica yes and when he uh after he had content had 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 found the the this big computer guru that he ended up uh, capturing yes and he became famous after that yes and all of a sudden even though he was not a doctor they're calling him dr glass that's right because he gets caught up in all this yeah, fame. And, and, and he changes. He does. And this young woman who was his fiance, she didn't want anything to do with him anymore. No, she breaks up and she returns the ring and, and decides she's going to break up. Little does he know that she's she's a Christian, right. too. 
So uh, his persecution of the church is at right angles to what she believes and, and, and is doing. So she decides to break up their engagement. So they, they, they part ways for a while. Yes. He's, he's pursuing his career. He's desperate to, to crack this code of this church, this underground church. He's going to get him. He's going to get him. I'm going to get Gordon Weiser. That's right. <laughs> but he cannot get away from that conversation with Gordon Weiser on that computer. No, he can't. Now, I'm telling you what, is this not the work of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does, doesn't he? He does. I mean, it, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when the Apostle Paul stood there and watched young Stephen being stoned, and they laid the garments at his feet. And he, in my mind, the Apostle Paul, which his name was Saul at the time, could not get that image out of his head. No. That, of, of, of young Stephen saying, do I commend my spirit? It says, you know, he's, he just, his face lit up with this radiance. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit just got over, all over Saul and he became a madman trying to persecute these Christians. I mean, I, did, did, did this similarity come to your mind when you read the book? Oh, yeah, it did. Okay. It did. Yeah. So I wasn't far off, was I? <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's very, very much related to, to Saul and Paul. Yeah. No. And so. This is Philip Glass. He, he's just, it's just driving him crazy. It is. Because of what those words that he heard from, from uh, Gordon Weiser, even though he's trying his best to persecute the church and put a stop to this thing, he can't do it, can he? No, he can't do it. So <laughs> as we come to the uh, end of the book. Yes. And Gordon Weiser and his family, they are they're running. Now they are running. They're trying mm-hmm. desperately to get to the spaceship, and they're going to have to be relocated. Yeah, they have no real concept necessarily of where they're going. Right, right. And then John McNeil at his house has a visitor. Yes. Well, now you you did a real good job here of disguising who this visitor is because. You told us that it was Westerling, yes, which was the guy who had shot Jacob, yeah, Jake, uh huh, and he was also the one that was leading the raid right. at Hamburg, yes, and now he supposedly shows up at John McNeil's house, yes, along with his new wife, uh huh, Jessica, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> And he tells John McNeil, he says, your friend Gordon Weiser is in trouble. Yes. Okay. So they go, and they rescue Gordon Weiser and his family. Yes, that's correct. Who who by that time was in trouble. He was in trouble. Okay. So now, Mr. Westerling, Jessica, John McNeil, the Gordon Weiser family, they're all on the ship. Yep. And they're fleeing. They're fleeing. Okay. Take it from there. Well, basically, um, they hear of a a raid uh, that actually a group, uh, uh, they hear that their church (laughs) is being raided in another location. And that, uh, which doesn't make any sense because there's no one there raiding where they are. 
Uh, but um, what they find out is that uh, the person was masquerading, and it was actually Philip Glass who right. had uh, come to John's house and gone over to rescue Gordon, who had gone to Jessica and confessed that he had become a Christian and that they had gotten married. And he had had a total change of heart. And they were, they were, everybody was looking for Philip Glass. Everybody was looking for Philip Glass because he was the one that led the raid <laughs> the wrong direction. Right. And even including, in your book, there were two presidents. And yes. even one of the presidents was saying, where is Philip Glass? That's right. But he had changed his identity because he was the computer guru. guru. That's right. Okay. And so, this is what we're not going to tell him. <laughs> They they managed to escape. They did. And they were relocated. They were. But we're not going to tell you where. No. You'll have to read the book. you got to read the next book, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so what is the next book? Uh, the next book takes up right where the other one left off, and uh, they're going to be uh, – the government is still looking for them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> has it got a name? Uh, no, it does not. It doesn't have a name yet. It does not okay. have a All right. We're down to a minute. We've got to pray. Okay. But uh, you can get the book. Tell them where to get the book again. Uh, you can go to Amazon.com. Just look for both the names, Still Wiser and uh, Davis Prime. And okay. it's both in uh, paperback and Kindle. You can get okay. both that. You can also go to, um, I think it can be bought through Apple. Okay. I'm not sure how to search for it there. But, right. uh, well, or, or you can call me, five, uh, uh, 567-1703, and I'll hook you up to Brother Prime here. and He'll, he'll get you one. Sounds good. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to be able to share these things on the radio, Father God. I pray, the Lord, that you'd make this book a great success, Father, even greater success than it has been. Father God, we pray over America. Father, we pray for your kingdom that will grow and expand. Father God, we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Mm. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Until Amen. next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.